Masechet Sota, Daf Mem He. We're continuing the discussion of Aigla, Arufa. And we saw yesterday that there's a machloket between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon about how many members of the Sanhedrin need to come to the crime scene. Rabbi Yehuda says three and Rabbi Shimon says five. Um, so now we're going to see yet a different opinion that even more people, uh, uh, important officials, need to come out to the crime scene to uh, initiate the Egla Arufa process. Matnitin, the like Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, the Tanya Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, Omer, Zekanecha Zosanedrin Shoftecha, Ze Melech Vechohen Gadol, Melch Tikti Melch Bemishpat Yamid Ares, Kohen Gadol Tikti Bubata El Hakohanim, Halviim, Vel Hashofeta, Shedie Baimimah. Him. So according to Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, he learns from the word zekenecha, not the plural that this means two or four. No, zekenecha means, as we're going to see, the entire Sanhedrin has to come out. And shoftecha, that refers to who are the, who are the leaders, who are the, who is called judges, the king and the Kohen Gadol, everybody, all of the leadership has to come out to that crime scene. Where do we see that a melech is called a shofet? From the Pasuk in Mishle, a king by justice establishes the land. The king is in charge of justice. In fact, the king can adjudicate any case. It goes to a court, but the king is a parallel judicial body. And as we see, many of the kings would be judges as well, like Shilom HaMelech himself. Uh, Kohen Gadol also is called a Shofet, as it says, um, uh, this is in the context of uh, if you don't know a law in your local court, then you come to the Sanhedrin. This is also the source of the law of Zaken Mamre, which was going to be important in a second. Um, that means if the Sanhedrin issues a ruling and uh, there's some elder there, some uh, 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 an important uh, wise leader, um, uh, a Tamid Chacham in, in his own right, and he comes and hears the uh, decision of the Sanhedrin. If he should go back home and act and rule uh, um, in the opposite way against the, what the Sanhedrin says, he can teach theoretically, you know, I think that this is wrong, but if he actually practice it, practices against the Sanhedrin, then he's called Zaken Mamre, a rebellious elder who gets the death penalty, um, and it's so serious because because he's a Zaken, he threatens the authority of the Sanhedrin. In that context, it says, if you don't know a law in your local court, you come to the Kohanim Halviim, that's the phrase in Devarim, the Levitical priests, um, because some Kohanim are also Leviim, um, and to the Shofet. So you see that the Shofet is part of uh, this group of Kohanim Leviim. Now, uh, other Gemariot say, Ela Shofet means see, he's not a Kohen or Levi, but rather a different person, Shofet. But anyway, in this Midrash, he's is taking it as the Kohen Gadol. Kohanim Leviim, other Kohanim, and the, the Shofet, meaning Kohen Gadol, that will be in that in those times. So here we see that the king and Kohen Gadol are both uh, called Shoftecha. The Kohanim were definitely involved, according to this Pasuk, were definitely involved in judging that's part of their role. Only their uh, sacrifice is only a small part of their role. Uh, they have to do lots of other things, teaching and judging. 
And so they all have to come to the crime scene. A question. According to the Eliezer ben Yaakov, I, I know he disagrees with the uh, with the opinions in the Mishnah. Is he only disagreeing regarding the king and Kohen Gadol that the Eliezer ben Yaakov says they have to come, and the opinions of the Mishnah say they don't have to come? But he's agreeing regarding the Sanhedrin. Um, either way, either according to the Biuda, he agrees that oh, just three. Members of the Sin have to come, and according to Bishimon, he has to, he says that five, right? But Ibn Azabin Yaakov would agree with one or the other. Or maybe he's disagreeing even on the number of uh, people from the Sanhedrin, um, that according to the Bishimon, uh, it's only three or five. According to the Bishimon, the entire Sanhedrin has to come. Maybe that's what it means when it says that they all have to come. Uh, so we're going to attempt an answer. Amarav Yosef Tashima. Um, the, the answer is going to be that yes, the, according to Rav Yosef, the entirety has to come. So here is a, a question regarding the Zaken Mamre. We just mentioned if he goes to the Sanhedrin in Yerushalayim on Harabait and he hears their ruling and then um, and then defies it, then he could deserve the death penalty. The question now is, let's say he found the Sanhedrin not in their usual place on Harabait in Lishkat HaGazit, but rather in a different place like Bepageh. Uh, Bepage is uh, a known place. It's uh, right on the outskirts of Yerushalayim. It's like a suburb of Yerushalayim. There are many cities in um, America called Bethpage uh, that are um, that are mentioned because of this. Uh, Christians, um, for, for some reason, um, were uh, like this city and so-called cities in America by the same name. Uh, so it's right outside Jerusalem. What does it mean? Um, Be uh, would be the place of the house. Page has something to do with eating or figs, perhaps because they had small figs there. Um, uh, pag is a, is a small unripe fig. Or, or because it has something to do with Greek eating, because one is allowed to eat Kodashim in that place. It's considered a suburb of Yerushalayim. It's so close to it that um, the, the, that the um, Sanhedrin, once upon a time, extended um, the borders of Yerushalayim to include it so that one can eat Kodashim in that place. All right, so it was an important place. And let's say, for example, the Sanhedrin might be over there at Bethpage. And that's where the this Zaken went and asked them this question. And they gave a ruling. And he goes back and he defies the ruling that they gave in, in, uh, in uh, at Bethpageh. Um, would that be considered an official disobeying and he would be called as a Ken Mamre capital punishment? Answer is no, because it says only if he goes up to the place that the place is a necessary cause. The place meaning the usual seat of the Sanhedrin. Uh, in the Lishkat Gazit, only if they give a ruling from there is it considered an official ruling such that the Zaken Mamre will get the death penalty if he happened to hear ruling when they were out and doing field work uh, at, on a field trip, uh, then they uh, would, the Zaken Mamre would not. Now, 
uh, this is not the the proof continues. The nefuk kama. Now, how many people of the Sanhedrin left? Now, if only a few, some of the members uh, went, um, let's say, you know, anything less than half, well, then there would be no possibility of calling this person as a Ken Mamre, because maybe the ones that remained in uh, Harabait uh, agree with Zaken Mamre. So there would be no possibility. Out of the seventy, let's say thirty went out to Bepage, and they all said uh, they all said A, and then Zakemanamre says the gives a, a ruling as B. Well, then there's no way you could convict him because he's only went against thirty of the members of Sanhedrin, and there's uh, the majority still back there um, in Yerushalayim. So that can't be the case. Rather, it must be that all of the Sanhedrin went to this went to Bepage, be, be, be and uh, that's why and they gave a ruling and that's why that's a chidush uh, even though the whole Sanhedrin was there and Zakem went, went against the majority of the entire T of the Sanhedrin still he's not called Zakem so uh, obviously they all went out good now that's the setup for the proof of Rav Yosef Ulmai why did they leave? is it just going for for fun? they want to all go to a ball game together they want to do some group bonding activity and so they all went that's not that, that can't be right if it's just an optional matter um, then then they can't leave they can't you can't leave the Lishkat Hagazit empty you can't even leave it with less than 23 people um, as we learn this pasuk from Shir Hashirim saying your navel is like a round goblet no, no, no mingled wine is ever wanting. Uh, okay, so this is d- describing the beloved, but it's a parable, and here we take it as a parable for the Sanhedrin. This pasuk generally is compared to the Sanhedrin, um, in that shorech, which literally means navel, here means the sarim, right? The your officials, the judges, are like a goblet, meaning because they sit in a in a semicircle. Uh, sit in a semicircle so that the judges can all see each other, which is important because they all have to speak to and listen to each other's arguments in order to. Uh, have a proper debate in which they're really listening and considering each other's arguments, um, and so that's the half circle. And it says, "Do let that let not the mingle the the, the mixture be less." So it generally is talking about a mixture of wine, which is usually a third, two thirds uh, ratio between wine and water. Um, so that is significant. So here the uh, idea is that the entire Sanhedrin is of uh, uh, 70, 71 people, and uh, therefore a third of it is about 23. Now 23 is called a Sanhedrin Ketana. A court of 23 has the authority to give capital punishment. So if someone needs to leave there's, let's say there's 71 judges there, and someone needs to go out, they go and have to go and take care of some something. Um, they are allowed to leave only if there are 23 remaining. Yes, to look around, there are 23, then that's fine because that's called Sanhedrin Ketana. But if not, if there's only 23 there, he can't leave. Like if you're, if there's 10 men uh, in the Minyan, you have to look around. You can't leave if you're the 10th guy.
Um, so too here. Uh, so this is uh, why, uh, could be why um, it's comparing it to wine, because just like wine is a third, two-thirds ratio, so too, and it shim, it can't, the ratio can't be less, so too here you can't leave less than one-third of the Sanhedrin there. Well, anyway, the whole point of this is that um, uh, they that the, the, you can't the entire Sanhedrin cannot leave. There's no possibility, not for a divide shoot, just because they have to go and uh, take care of uh, things that they want to do. They want to go for a walk. They want to buy a coffee. They can't. They can't do that. They can't all leave. Um, the house has to be 23 there. So therefore, it can't be that they're leaving just for the shoot for fun. Rather, if the whole Sanhedrin is going somewhere, and we just proved that's the whole Sanhedrin because of the second law, then they must be going for a mitzvah. Lemai, what mitzvah would the entire Sanhedrin go leave? Lishkata Gazit 4, Lav the Medidat Aiglav, Rebiel Ben Yaakov, he, oh, must be that they have to go for to measure uh, at the crime scene from uh, what's the closest city to the corpse, right? And therefore, this is the uh, this is the opinion of Rebiel Ben Yaakov, and so Rav Yosef proves from this uh, step by step, um, um, the, the number, uh, this proof that we had number of steps, he proves that yes, the entire Sanhedrin has to go. That's Rav Yosef. He is the uh, third generation Amora. Um, he's remembered that he, he was he became blind. Um, and now his student, fourth generation, Amale Abaye, La Dilma Leosif al Ha'ir Val Hazarot, Kiditnan, and Mosifin al Ha'ir Val Hazarot, Ella Bebetin Shelshivim Vehad. Abaye said, Not necessarily. There are other reasons why the whole Sanhedrin would have to leave their place. Um, and for example, to add on to a city uh, or to the uh, temple courtyard. As the Mishnah Sanhedrin says, we only add. Um, to the borders of a city or to the temple courtyard with a bet din of 71. Um, so that if the, the temple courtyard, this actually happened, uh, Herod the Great um, flattened out the Temple Mount and filled in the sides. That's the Kotel, the Kotel Maravi is one of the um, walls holding up the extra uh, dirt that he filled in to make the Temple Mount larger. So that would require Sanhedrin to give their official stamp of approval to say, yes, this is this has the holiness of the Temple Mount. Um, and a city like Yerushalayim, you're allowed to eat Kodashim only within the borders of Yerushalayim. What are the borders of Yerushalayim? Once upon a time, it was only Ir David, which is very small. There's the old city, which is also quite small. What about the new city of Yerushalayim? What about Bet Pageh? So that would be a good example, right? So, uh, a town, a suburb on the outskirts, uh, this would require the Sanhedrin to go out to Bet Pageh. Maybe that's why that's the, that, that's the example and say, oh, this is now officially part of Yerushalayim so you could eat Kodashim there. Okay, so therefore Abayah says, yes, I agree that the entire Sanhedrin does sometimes come out for a mitzvah, but that mitzvah does not have to be a uh, it could be for expanding borders, and therefore there is no proof that this uh, is the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. All right, so even though we rejected the proof, nevertheless, we go back and support Rav Yosef, because there's a b'raita on his side, Tanya kivateh Rav Yosef, misana bepagevim ra'alehen, kegon, shiyasu lemedidat aigla, the Braita says, if the Zaken, 
found the Sanhedrin uh, uh, in Bet Page, and then he went and uh, went against them, rebelled against them. And for example, why did the Sanhedrin go um, to Bet Page? Maybe to measure for an Egla. So you see that the entire Sanhedrin has to go for Egla. They also have to go to expand a city or the courtyard. And so in that case, would uh, the elder be considered liable if he rebels? And the answer is no. Okay, you have to go to the place only if he rebels against something that they say in the official uh, place on in Lishkat Hagazit. And so, therefore, we conclude um, uh, with the support for Rav Yosef that according to Rabbi Elizabeth Yaakov, in fact, the Kohen and the king and the entire Sanhedrin have to go. And this is yet another uh, support for Rambam's idea that the reason uh, for Eglatufa is to publicize this murder so that um, some pe- people may come and call in a tip that they saw something. And certainly if the entire leadership of the nation is going there, entire Sanhedrin, that would make a big impact, make frontline news. Nimsa tamun begal o talui bila. The Mishnah mentioned that if the corpse was found under a pile of stones, uh, uh, hidden, uh, buried, then that doesn't count. Or if it's hanging on a tree, then also you do not do the egla arufa ceremony. It has to be lying on the ground. Now, what suggests that this Mishnah is the opinion of of, um, is, um, is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, but that's Rabbi Yehuda, the fourth generation, uh, Tana, um, not to be confused with Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, the fifth generation. So the Mishnah seems to be Rabbi Yehuda, uh, this Mishnah, and not the opinion of Rabbanan. What do they say? The Tanya. Now we're going to compare two different laws. One is a gladufa, where it says that in Mishnah that uh, if it's hidden, we do not apply a gladufa. And the other is shichicha. Uh, if some if a farmer forgets a sheaf of grain in the field, um, then uh, he, he has to leave it for the leave it for the poor. Okay, now, um, now why does it say v'shatom basadeh? Why basadeh? That excludes if it's hidden. Um, if there's a there's a sheaf there and it's covered over and I forgot it, I can come back as the farmer and I can take it back because it was covered. And that's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Shichichat does not apply to something covered. Hachamim say basadeh. No, that's an extra word. Basadeh. Comes, uh, comes to include something that's covered. Even if it's covered, right, that's the poor people's prerogative. They get a chance to go through the field and they'll push things away and see if there's any uh, sheaves that have been covered up and left in the field. Um, so, assuming that it's the same law, which we don't have to assume, we're going to reject this in a minute, but um, let's, can we compare them? That's the question. And therefore, in the, in the Mishnah that said a covered body uh, does not apply, to um, Eglarufa. Eglarufa does not apply to a covered body. What would be the opinion of Rabbi Uda, who says that Shichicha does not apply to a covered chief? And so that would be consistent. And now Mishnah is Rabbi Uda against Rabbanan. Amar, uh, but we don't want the Mishnah to be only Dat Yachid. So, Amarav, Rav explains that our Mishnah can even be acquainted to Rabbanan of the, that he, he who says that Shechicha uh, does not, um, does apply to something covered. He still might agree that Eglarufa does not apply to a covered body. 
Why? Because each of these pesukim, you have to look at the context of the pesukim in order to figure out what the law is. You can't take it out of context. Well, that's a good methodology. And here's uh, here's his point. Tichtiv ki maseh halal hechad mishtekach v'adama parut perat letamun. If I had just had the word ki maseh halal, if you find a slain a body, um, then I would have said wherever it's found, and uh, that would mean uh, bodies off. Sometimes they're on the ground. Sometimes, often, usually they're under the ground. So I would say that eglarufa applies no matter what. The extra word ba'adama comes to say the opposite. It does not apply to a body that's buried. So that fits the context there. And the Rabbanan could readily agree to that. Um, and that would be the opinion of the Mishnah. Whereas, regarding Shichicha, look at the context. And the context of Shichicha is when you are reaping, harvesting, your, you're cutting, cutting the grain in your field, and, now, uh, and if you forget something. So here, the thing that you forgot must be similar to the thing that you're harvesting, just like the thing that you're harvesting is out in the open. When you cut the grain, then it just falls there and stays up there on the ground so that you can go and, and collect it. So too, I, I would assume that shichicha is only that which is uncovered and revealed. Um, similar to the rest of the grain. And that's why the pasuk, if it has an extra word, basadeh, comes to, comes to teach me uh, the opposite, that um, even if it's covered, you still have to do shichicha. In other words, without that word, from the context, I would say, only if it's uncovered is shicha. So the word basadeh comes say the opposite. In each case, the extra word is coming to tell you the opposite of what, what I would have thought. But in each case, the thing that I would have thought depends on the context, and that's why each one makes sense in its context. So Rav says, even Rabbanan may very well agree that regarding Shichicha, uh, you, uh, um, the, it, uh, Shichicha does apply to some, to sheaf that's uh, covered up, but Eglarufa does not apply to a corpse that is covered up. Okay, good. Now, now that we have this, uh, Rav's, um, Explanation of the Pesukim. Let's turn back to Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda, Name Tibukler, Meshichicha Dumya de Kasir. Rabbi Yehuda, who says that it applies only when it's um, when when it's covered, Shichicha uh, applies only when the sheaf is covered. So why does he need this uh, pasuk here that was quoted above? Shechata Omer Basadeh, right? Perat Tamun. Why is he, he doesn't have to exclude something that's that that's um, uh, hidden? And in fact, the just from the context of the Pisukim themselves, that would be evident. As we said over here, um, something that you cut, the harvest, is out in the open. So shichah should only apply to something out in the open and not something that's hidden. So that by itself um, would prove Rabbi Yehuda's point. And we say, Nachinami, you're right. He doesn't need the word Basadet to tell me the opposite. He doesn't want to say the opposite. The Pisukim by themselves um, uh, would tell me that it applies, Shicha only applies to something out in the open. All right, if so, then Sadeh is an extra word. And we're not, we don't want to use it to do the opposite, to, to, to limit as Rabbanandu, because Rabbi Yehuda says it only applies to something out in the open. 
So what is he going to do with the word basadeh? Maybe Rebuta is going to use the word basadeh to include forgotten standing grain, uh, grain that's left standing. I forgot a patch of grain. I forgot to cut it in the first place and it's still standing there. Um, had he, is that called shicha? The answer is yes. It's basadeh. It's still standing up in the field and I forgot a couple of stalks over there. I have to leave it for the poor. Okay. Now the banan who used the word sadeh already for something else, where are they going to learn, derive this law? That standing grain also has a law of shichecha. They learn it from the beginning of the pasuk, when you reap the harvest in your field. So that introduction, right, why do I need that introduction? I mean, uh, isn't this whole law obviously going to be when I'm harvesting? And so that comes to include that, uh, that comes to include the law that that if you, I, I forgot to harvest part of the field as I'm harvesting and um, I forgot part of the field, then shicha also applies to it. So that's how they can derive it. What do you need this intro for? What is that uh, necessary for? Oh, he needs us to exclude a case where some sheaves floated, right? They just, you know, flew through the air. Just even a light breeze um, can take them. And they land in my friend's field. So now my sheaves are in my friend's field. Are those called, for, called forgotten? as And I have to leave them for the poor? The answer is no. It's only only if it's in your field and you forgot them, then you have to leave for the poor. But if it floated into your uh, neighbor's field, then you can go and get them back. So that's why he needs that's why he needs this uh, phrase here. Rabbanan can learn that same law that if it floats into a friend's field, you get to, you get to take it back from the fact that it doesn't say sadeh, it says sadecha, your field. So the extra pronoun at the end is, is sufficient to learn that law. And so what's Rabbi Yudah going to do with that pronoun? Says, I'm not learning something from an extra letter. So I have an extra letter. It's just a replacing of a he with a chaf. I'm not going to learn something from an extra pronoun. It just makes sense to say, it's not the field, it's your field. It happens to be your field. So I'm not going to learn any extra law from that. So in the end, they agree on all these other laws that, um, they are, they, um, um, uh, that are derived from each uh, particle and phrase, and so we accounted for how each of them uses all of the Pesukim. Good. Now, Ba'er Rabbi Yirmiyah, Rabbi Yirmiyah asks, he often asks uh, theoretical questions. Asafu omarin letoch sadehu mahu, avir sadeh kesadeh dameh, o lav kesadeh dameh. What if it's a, a, the opposite case, that some uh, we, some some sheaves from wherever, it doesn't really matter where they're from, could be, maybe I, I already, you know, stacked some some sheaves over there and then some flew back out into the field. Um, uh, so here's the Here's the question. If a few sheaves um, uh, floated into my field, what is that? What is the law? And uh, let's say they are still floating or they landed on a rock. They landed on something else. They did not land on the ground. So do we consider the um, airspace of a field like the field itself? And therefore, that's called shichicha. 
or do or is it not like the like uh, like the field because it's on top of something else and so therefore it's not like the field it's um it will be like i have it in my in my house or in a place where i'm uh, guarding it and so it's not um it's not like in the field right the shikha only applies if it's out, still out there in the field but this is not in the field it's on a rock or it's floating so that's his question. So either Rav Kana or um, uh, Kana told Rav Papi or Rav Kana told Rav Zavid, he told one of them, I can derive an answer from the statement that we just saw of Rabbi Abhu in the name of Rabbi Al-Azad, who said that Shichicha uh, is excludes, does not include a case of uh, sheaves that went, floated from my field to my friend's field. There I can go get it back. So we could, that's the end of his statement. We can infer if it went into his field, then I can get it back. But if it floated into my field, then I do not take it back. And that's called shikha. Um, and so even though it's, uh, it's uh, you know, floating there um, on my field or resting on something else, that is not called shikha. So that might be a good answer, right? And we said, no. This is, no, you're missing the point of Rabbi Abu. Rabbi Abu's point was not about uh, the, the fact that it's floating. The floating was just a way of explaining how it got there, right? You didn't put it there on purpose, that it just floated there itself, right? The point of his statement was to say that it's in his field. It's in someone else's field and that's why it's exempt, right? So he says, according to your reasoning, so would you say that if it's in um, uh, someone else's field and it's floating, then it's, then, it's, then, uh, then I can take it back. But if it rested on his field, then it's shichicha. But that's not true because we need besadecha, only if it's in my field. So it really doesn't matter if it's floating or not. If it's in his field, then I can get it back no matter what. The floating was a side point. So you can't prove it from there. So Ella Rather, in truth, according to the Biabu, even if it was in his friend's field and it rested right on the ground, still I could go get it back. And why does it say Safu? Because that's just a typical case. How else would it get there unless it floated there? All right, so we don't that is a rejected proof. And back to the uh Yirmiyah's question. If I have some some sheaves that came and they're floating on my field or resting on something else in my field, is that called shichicha tashema? Um, let's try to learn it from this Braita that is found in the Tosefta and Pe'a. Omer sheichazik bolodicho la'ir ve'inicho I have a sheaf and I, I took it into my hands because I wanted to take it to the city. I'm going to go and sell it to the city, maybe show it to a, uh, to a buyer. And then in the meantime, I'm looking for getting, get, gathering some other things and I put it down 
um, uh, on another sheaf. I, I put my the sheaf that I have in mind and I put it down on another one and then I forgot about it. I left it there. So what is that? What is the law? So the, the one on the bottom is shichicha. The one on top is not shichicha. Oh, there could be different reasons why. We'll try to explain uh, what the reason is. I mean, a simple reading is that the bottom one was there left in the field. So that's shichicha. The top one, um, I, I was holding on to it, right? So I, I, I want it. I just left it there temporarily, but I did forget it. Okay, anyway, so the bottom one, the shichicha, the top one is not shichicha. I can go get the top one back. Now, that's Tanakama. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda Omer, Mishum Rabbi Shimon, Shenehem enan shichicha hatachton mipne shu tamun valyon mipne shu saf. Um, Rabbi Shimon says, neither are shichicha, and each one for a different reason. The, the lower one, because it's covered. And something covered, as this is a law in the Mishnah, um, something, uh, a sheaf that's covered, shichicha does not apply to that. And the upper one is because it's floating. It's not literally floating, but it's not on the ground. It's on top of something else. And therefore, shichicha does not apply to it. And so this would be a good point, a good, uh, a good proof here that something floating on top of something that's in my field and something floating, shichicha does not apply to that item, um, right? And this would be true according to both. The machloket between Tanakama Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda is only regarding the bottom one. Regarding the top one, everyone agrees it's not shichicha. So this is a good proof that something floating does not, uh, is not, has not on the ground and shichicha does not apply to it. But we're going to reject this proof. Maybe in that case, um, he, because he's holding on to it, so he uh, he he married he he acquired it, so it became his. So if something is mine already, once I acquire it, then if I forget it somewhere, I can go and take it back. Right? The shichicha is only about something that's in the field that I never did an act of acquisition, and maybe that's why everybody agrees. That it's not shichichas, not because it's floating on something, but rather because I hold I held on to it. Now we ask, if that's the reason, then why bother mentioning that he put it on top of another sheaf? Even if he put it down on the ground, it would not be shichicha. If the whole point is I picked it up, I acquired it, so now it's not shichicha anymore. It wouldn't be shichicha, and no matter what, even if I put it down on the ground, it would not be shichicha. So why bother saying it's a case that we put it on top of another one? Enachinames is you're right. Behind the katani mishum tachton. The reason why. Instead, he put it on top of another one is to teach us a law about the bottom, right? Because the bottom one, um, according to Rabbi uh, Shimon ben Yehuda, he says the bottom one is not shichicha because it's covered. So that would only be true if you put it on top of that one. So he wanted to teach us the law about covering that according to Takama, the one that's covered is shichicha, and the one that's on, and according to Rabbi Shimon, the one that's on the bottom is not shichicha. But you're right, it's the uh, top one has nothing to do with it, the fact that it's floating. It's only because he acquired it. Um, now, yes, wait a second, there's the reason, it says, it says the reasoning here, because it's floating. So doesn't that mean that the reason why it's not shicha is because it's floating, not because he acquired it? it gives the reason. And the answer is, No, it means that it's like it's floating. It's like it has not been put down at all. Because he acquired it, it's as if it's still in his hands. Um, and so it's still, it's still like floating. 
but it doesn't mean that it's a law about anything that's not on the ground. Um, really, that has nothing to do with it. So there is no proof from uh, this baraita uh, to answer uh, the to answer the the uh, the question of Rabbi Yirmiya. Now, Amar Abaye, Hareni Keben Azai Tiberia. More on this theme, uh, Abaye once went out and said, I am feeling very sharp today, and I am going to be today like Ben Azai in the markets of Tiberia. Who would go? Ben Azai, one of the greatest sages, he knew everything by heart so well, he would go out into the marketplace of Tiberia. Says, Anybody ask me any question, right? Real question, theoretical question, I can answer it. Abaye says, I'm ready to be challenged today. Ask me anything. So one of the sages had a sharp question and asked him, Let's say you have, back to Eglad Ufa, two uh, uh, slain people, one on top of the other, but they're not perfectly aligned, right? One is a little more this way, one is a little more this way, but they're overlapping. Mehechan uh, humodeh. From uh, fra, who uh, who do you measure from? From the top guy or from the bottom guy? Um, now this is I, I hope it's a theoretical such uh, uh, um, a question, but you could see that now we're going to compare this law to the law of the sheaves that are each on top of the other. Now do here's the size of the challenge. Min bimino have. tamun umin bimino lahave saf umelion moded. So we say min bimino because it's the same type. They're both dead bodies, and so therefore they're of the same type. If something's of a different type, then yeah, then you, it makes sense to call it covered, right? I have a, a clay cover covering um, a, a bowl of soup, right? So then that's called a cover because it's of a different item. But um, uh, and the same thing with the thing on uh, the with the or the floating, right? If I have a sheaf floating on a rock, that's two different items. So clearly you'd say that that is not on the ground. It's on or it's on a rock. That's so uh, when it's not when it's min enomino, it's much clearer. But here we're talking about where it's the same item, right? If I have a pile of uh, sheaves, then uh, do I call the one on the bottom floating? It's not really floating. It's just a whole pile, right? And the one on the bottom is it is it hidden? Is it is it um, uh, buried? Or is it called buried because it's all the same item? Or maybe not. Maybe you would call it buried and you would call it floating. So that's what we're going to discuss all the uh, all all possibilities. Since I have the same type of item, also a body and another body, um, and so what I consider that it is in fact. Um, uh, even though it's a body on top of a body, it's still considered something that's hidden. I am going to consider it uh, hidden, and Eglad uh, does not apply to something hidden. Um, where, um, but Min Bebino is not floating, um, that I would not consider the top one floating since it's resting on something that is its own kind, so it's not considered floating, and therefore I would measure from the top one. Or maybe the other way around that if uh, something that's the same uh, type is considered, even though it's the same type, it is considered floating, the top body, even though it's on another body, it's the same type, still it's not on the ground, so I'm going to consider that one floating, and so I'm not going to count from that one, because it's like it's hanging in the tree, uh, um, and uh, is not tamun, and even though the bottom one, even though it's covered by something, but since it's covered by something of the same type, so that's not called that it's covered, 
um, because it's the same type. So therefore the bottom one does count and I would measure from the bottom one. That's the other way around. Or maybe neither. Maybe neither of them count because uh, when it's of the same type, um, even though it's the same type, it's considered covered, and even though it's the same type, it is considered floating, and therefore I can't I can't uh, count not from the top and not from the bottom. There's also the fourth possibility that um, that both of them do count, and then you'd have to figure out how to how to measure from both the top and both the bottom. So these are all the side, different sides of the question, and you can see Abaye really got himself into a mess. He asked for a challenge, and he sure got one. Um, let's see how he's going to come up with an answer on the spot. Oh, that's a simple that's a simple one. There's an explicit tosefta. What you don't know don't you know the tosefta that answers that question? Well here's why it's uh, uh, why it, why he's um, uh, he, he is uh, deriving one thing from the other. It's really not explicit. It's about the case of the of Shikha that he's bringing in and comparing. So you see his brilliance here. Uh, it says all Meshekhazikbo we're requoting the bright uh, that Tosefta that we just said. Someone is holding an omid because he's going to bring it into the marketplace, but he put it down on another sheaf and he forgot it there. So Tanakama says the bottom one is shichicha, and the top one is not shichicha. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda Omer, Bishum Rabbi Shimon, Shenehem enam shichicha, Tachtum b'nei Shutamon, Valyom b'nei Shusaf. He says neither of them are shichicha because the top one, the bottom one, is covered, and the top one is floating. Sevado adahani tanek Rabbi Yehuda Sivira lehu damar basade perat letamun. So we are thinking right now. Let's uh, let's follow the assumption um, that both of them. Them, both Tanaim here, Tanakam Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda, agree with Rabbi Yehuda, who said when it says Basadeh, it means not if it's concealed, then it's not considered. Um, then the shikha does not apply to something that's concealed. Now, uh, with the, if we follow that assumption, then here we can have an answer. Rabbi, I can have an answer. This is because I took one sheaf and I forgot it and I put it on top of another sheaf. It is considered covered, right? In other words, Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda says it is covered. Um, and Tanakama said, um, because it's min bimino, so it's it's not considered covered, and so you see, I I gave here's an answer to your question. Um, your question, right? Your question was about two bodies, one on top of the other. That would be subject to the same machloket um, as this. That according to the Bishimon um, uh, Ben Yehuda, since they're two of the same type, the bottom one is considered covered, so you wouldn't count it from the bottom one, and according to Tanakama, it's not considered covered, so you would count from the bottom one. All right, so it looks like he has an answer, at least to to, to the bot, uh, at least regarding the bottom person. Um, and we say la no that not not necessarily not necessarily good proof because you can interpret this braita that's really about a different issue. Now 
the machloket in the Tosefta and Pe'a is precisely whether why we should follow Rabbi Yehuda regarding Egla Arufa or not. Uh, so that, um, uh, right, Rabbanan, um, back in, in Egla Arufa. So Rabbanan, that means the, ta- 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 the Tanakhama of the Tosefta and Pe'a, who says that the bottom one, uh, even though it's covered, still it's, it's considered Shichicha, that follows Rabbanan, who says regarding Eglarufa, even if the body is covered, uh, still you apply the law of Eglarufa. Whereas Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda, who says that the bottom sheaf, since it's covered, is not Shichicha, Shichicha does not apply to something covered, he would follow Rabbi Yehuda in, in Eglarufa, that um, says that a covered body, the Eglarufa, does not apply to that, just like it does not apply to the covered sheaf. And so that is the Machloket, whether or not you follow Rabbi Yehuda. But everybody would agree um, that if you follow the Biuda, then even though it's min bimino, it is considered something covered, and that would be in fact a partial uh, response to uh, the original question that was posed uh, back up here to uh, Baye. Um, and it is a good, in fact, a good comparison um, that Mimbimino uh, is covered, and therefore we have one body on top of the other. So the bottom one is considered covered. And uh, if we follow the Biuda, which the Mishnah does follow the Biuda, then the bottom one would not, the Gladufa would not apply to the bottom one, and you would only measure from the top one. So it is, um, so we do have a partial resolution. Now we ask about this reading. If if this is um, if in fact they're only arguing about whether we follow the Buda or not, then why does the Braita bother talking about a case where there's one sheaf on top of another sheaf? Even if it was covered with dirt or with pebbles, it would be the same thing. They would be arguing oh, the sheaf is covered, so do we follow the Buda or not? And the answer is inachinami. You're right. That we could have uh, um, would have, the machloket um, between Tanakama and Abishma ben Yehuda would still apply if it was covered with um, or covered with dirt. Um, but the reason why it uses a case of sheaf over a sheaf But it wanted to add an extra chidush to show you the extent to which the Yehuda would say that something uh, covered is considered covered and uh, an exempt that even if it's covered by its own type of substance that's considered concealed and um the law of uh of shiv of of uh, does not apply to the one under and certainly the law of um egla arufa that's actually what abiyuda is um uh, talked about that the law of egla arufa would not would not um apply to the item to the body underneath another body good now, next, Baraita, Tenor Banan, Halal Velo Hanuk. The word Halal means a slain person, implying that he was killed violently with a metal weapon, but not if he was strangled, like in a chokehold. Halal Velo Mefarper, and he has to be killed, not if he's still twitching and almost dead. Eglarufa um, only applies when he's totally dead. Badama velotamun begal, Badama has to be on the ground and not under a pile of stones. No velotalu beilan, that he has fallen and not if he's still hanging in a tree. Basade velosafa he has to be in the field and not floating on water. 
that's all Tanakh Kamar. Rabbi Elazar Omer Bechulan Imaya Halal Orfi. And Rabbi Elazar disagrees and says, in all these cases, as long as he was slain with a metal weapon, then that's that's Eglad Hufa. So he agrees with the first Derasha, but disagrees with the rest. Doesn't matter. It only matters how he's killed. Doesn't matter where you find the body. Tanya, Amar Rabbi Yosef. So the, the sages argued with Rabbi Elazar and he said, Wouldn't you agree that if he was strangled and then his body thrown into the onto the, a, a garbage pile, that you would not do a gladufa? Right? You agree to that because here he's uh, he's strangled. So Alma Halal Velo Hanuk. So you agree with the first Rasha that it has to be killed with the sword and not strangled. Then why don't you agree with the rest of the of the derashot? Each one is inferring another law from another word in the pasuk, and just like you learned from uh, some uh, law from the word halal, learn also from adama that not if it has to be on the ground, not under the ground, has to be fallen, not in a tree, has to be in a field, and not on water. Would answer no. Actually, the word halal appears twice there, and that's why he's learning something from halal because of the repetition. But all the other words, you just need them for their themselves in and, in and of themselves to describe the case. But you're not going to learn any uh, um, any uh, diuk from the word if it appears only once. Next, perat Mishnah taught that if it's found close to a border or close to a city where the majority of the people are not Jewish, um, then you do not apply a gladufa. Uh, why? Because it says kiyimase. If you happen to find a dead body in an unusual circumstances, oh look, wait, there's a dead body here, and that excludes a place where it's common. And apparently, in olden days, you know, it was like the Wild West, and people would be murdered. Uh, often and thrown uh, somewhere um, in a, a non-Jewish city or uh, on the border uh, of, of a different country. So apparently around you know Roman times, uh, people would be uh, buried in all different places in non-Jewish cities and in Jewish cities there were more careful. You could see from this law of Eglad Ufa just how, how much the Torah cares about even just one, 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 even just one murder, uh, unsolved murder is a very serious thing and you rile everybody up to to, to figure it out. Um, but if not for that, then, you know, people can be murdered and there's no, uh, um, and nobody cares, then it's going to happen more often. Uh, just now, last week in the news, they were um, out west looking for two bodies of people who were murdered and they went to some field somewhere and they found seven bodies, the two that they were looking for and five others that they weren't looking for that people that had been uh, uh, murdered or something that just happened to be there. So, um, maybe in some places this is going on even today. Anyway, that's the reason Eglatufa, only if it's uncommon, not in a place where uh, finding bodies is common. Or the Irsha'en Ba'abetin. Or you don't do Eglatufa. Well, okay, you, um, if there's a city that um, does not have a Betin of 23, then you do not measure to that city. Um, so, uh, because the, the rest next step is, go, is going to be that you're going to take the elders of that city and you're going to bring them out to the, um, to the site of the murder. Now, if there's no Betin, there's no Zikna'ir, you can't do the next step, so it will be impossible to use that city. Now, the continuation of the Mishnah then goes 
goes on and says the same law again that you do not measure to a city that doesn't have a bet din. So we say peshita kevante tana leir she'en ba bet din and yadanad en modedin ela leir she'esh ba bet din. So since you already isn't in this obvious, um, since you already taught that it has to be you only count you only measure to a city that um, that has a bet din, um, then I know that I can, I'm not going to count. I'm not. I can't measure to any city that doesn't have a bet din. So why is the Mishnah saying it again? is to teach us that if the closest city does not have a betin, it's not that you don't do a gladufa at all. No, you just keep going. You go to the next closest city. As the Baraita says, how do you know that if the closest city is not a betin, that you forget about that city and you keep going and you measure to the closest city that has a betin? Because it says, like, um, go, go, um, go and get the elders of that city, right? So that city, any city, whichever one is the closest. Um, that's, uh, so that's why the Mishnah is emphasizing that and has to say that law again. It's not that you don't, you don't it's not that you cancel the law of Egladufa totally. Okay, uh, next and final Mishnah for today. Nimsa mechuvan ben shene shete ayarot, shetehen meviot shete eglot. Debrer bi eli ayazir. What happens if you take a measurement from the body and you find that there are two cities that are exactly equidistant from the body? Both of them have a betin, um, and this is uh, and it's exact to the inch, right? This shows the uh, the precision of their measurement, like you do for zoning zoning laws. You know, you don't want to, you wouldn't lose an inch of your property, so you do an exact measurement, and it comes out equidistant. Then both of the each, both cities have to bring a, a heifer and do the whole egla um, adufa uh, ceremony, according to the Beliezer. Ve'en Yerushalayim ve'egla adufa, Jerusalem never brings in egla adufa. We'll see why. Even if the that's the closest city, and it certainly does have a betin, they are exempt. This part gets a little gory. If someone is killed and their head is cut off, and you find the head in one place and the rest of the body in another place, from which do you measure? Uh, what, what do you do? So according to the Be'eliezer, you take the head and you bring it to the body. The body is the main thing and so you bring the head closer and then you measure from there however he says no the head is the main thing that's where your mind is you are your head your body is just uh you know you need it to walk around and to function but the head is the main part of you and so bring the body to the head it's interesting philosophical argument here when you point you when you point to yourself do you point to your body or to your head Okay, now where precisely on the body do we measure, right? Because the body takes up some space and maybe the head is closer to one city and the feet are closer to another city. Rabbi Eliezer says from his belly button. Um, that's the, the center, the middle of the body. Rabbi says from his nose. That's where you breathe from. That's your life force. Says from the place where he was killed, which is his neck. He was uh, his head was cut off, um, and so it's uh, 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 his neck was cut, and so that's where that's where the wound is. That's how he died, and so we measure from there. Okay, there's a bit of a question. If you say it's from his body. 
um, then that wouldn't that mean uh, actually it's uh, it's quite consistent. According to Beliezer, you take the head and bring it to the body um, because he says it follows the belly button. According to Rabbi uh, Akiva, however, he says you bring the body to the head because he says you have to follow the nose. And so it makes sense that you'd have the head there and you'd bring the other one um, along with it. Okay, but the Gemara is going to say that this seems to be redundant um, and give a different explanation of the of the of the head and body uh, part of this. Okay, my Eliezer. What is the reason that Rabbi Eliezer says that you bring two of them if it's equidistant? Number one, he assumes that you can be precise in your measurement. To that extent that you're actually going to bring two of them, and even though the Pasuk says you bring Kerova, the closest one, he says that means even Kerovot, even if it's plural, the closest cities, if they're equidistant, then you bring both. Jerusalem is exempt. The Pasuk says, if you found a slain person in the land that God has given you to possess it, so that means it only applies in one of the tribes that are inherited. Whereas Jerusalem, um, even though it's within the tribe of uh, Binyamin, is actually an international city, uh, or at least a nationalized city. It belongs to all of the Shivatim equally, because that's the that's where the Bet Hamikdash is going to. That's the capital, so everybody has equal access to the capital. Kind of like um, um, Washington D.C. is its own entity, is not actually part of the state. Nimsa Rosha Bemakom. Now the next part, if the head is in one place and the body is in another place. Are we arguing about where to measure from, from the head or from the body? If so, we don't need it because in the next part it already says where do they measure from? And one says the belly and one says the nose. So I I just I know from that alone that um, I'm going to measure. What's the point? Why you need to tell me I should bring the head and bring it to the body? Why do I have to bring the head to the body? Uh, I'm measuring from the from the belly button. Or why do I have to bring the body to the head for the biakiva? I'm measuring from the nose anyway, so I could leave the body there, right? So if it's just about measurement, I really this clause is not needed. Rabbi Yitzchak says, this is talking about a met misvah. Um, it's not the same, does not seem to be the peshat of the Mishnah, because the Mishnah is about the laws of Eglad Ufa. But since it's redundant here, so Rabbi Yitzchak says, uh, this is talking about met misvah. If you find a corpse and no one, there's no one to bury it, the law is that it acquires its place, right? Even if it's in uh, in the road or in some field, um, then he, he, you bury him right there. And he, by be, by dying in that spot, acquires that plot. He doesn't have to pay for it. And uh, right, the uh, that field owner has to say, okay, right, um, we can uh, you can bury him here, and he gets to stay there. You don't move him to a different uh, uh, different place. But then the question is, if his head and the body are in different places, then which parcel of land has he acquired? Um, so according to Rabbi Eliezer, um, you, take his, um, uh, you take his head and you bring it to his body and you bury it in the place of the body. Rabbi Akiva says the opposite. The head is the main thing and you bring the head 
and you bring the body over to the head, and the, the, the spot he acquires is where his head is. Oh, what is the essence of the machloket? Um, uh, that it's uh, that Rabbi Eliezer thinks that the body dies and falls in its place. So that's where the that's where he died. That's why he 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 he. he um, uh, it gets to um, acquire that piece of land. Now the head, the head is round, and if it was cut off, it might roll down the down the hill. But that's just after the after he died. So he doesn't acquire. He only acquires the spot where he actually expired, and that would be where the body was. However, Rabbi Akiva, Akiva says no. Where as soon as his head is chopped off, that's he's dead. That's that's definition one definition of being dead is not having a head. And the body, however, sometimes the body, just like a chicken, can keep running without a head. Apparently, also a human being. I don't know how far he's going to get, but even if it's just a few steps, um, uh, so the body is just going on on its own. But he actually already died where the head fell. So you follow the head and not the body, and that. Would would explain the reasoning why the Met Mitzvah acquires this place or that place. Now, Ma'ayin Hayu Modedin, which part of the body do we uh, use to measure? Be'mayi palge. what's that the essence of their Machloket, about whether you count for, you you do it from the navel, or from the neck, or from the nose? Mor sabad ikad chayuta be'apeh, mor sabad ikad chayuta be'tibureh. Now, the Akiva says, the, per, may, the, the essence of a person's life is his nose, it's breathing. All the, all the uh, words for, uh, for soul, to, to mean to be someone alive, is nefesh, neshama, ruach. These all have to do with breath, the breath of life, right? Hashem uh, puts in Adam, the breath of life. It's breathing that defines being alive. No breathing, not alive. So therefore, the main essence of a person's life is his nose, where you breathe from. Whereas, Rabbi Eliezer says, no, it's his navel. That's the essence of his life, the digestive system you need to eat, to live. Um, and uh, so we follow where his, uh, where his stomach is. So maybe the machloket here between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva uh, is uh, parallel to this, uh, the, uh, this another set of Tanaim about uh, where, uh, where, how is an embryo formed? Tanakama in this Baraita says that an embryo was formed from its head. The head is formed first, um, and you know that because in uh, Tehilim it says, out of my mother's womb you pulled me, Gozi, um, Gozi. And this word gozi appears in another place. Gozi um, nizrech, cut off your hair. Nizrech, like nazir, means a crown or head, uh, something on the head. And uh, therefore, you see, gozi means head. And you say, from my mother's womb, you are gozi, and that means head. So therefore, an embryo is formed from its head. Uh, I mean, uh, this might be um, based on if you if you see you know pictures of an embryo, you see the head is rather quite formed and recognizable um, in early stages, where when the body is just looks like a little tail. Uh, so that uh, could have uh, be based on that. Abashul says no, the embryo was formed from its navel, from its belly button, and then it spreads out from there in all different directions. It gets limbs and limbs here and limbs there and a head. And this also has uh, uh, 
a scientific basis because the umbilical cord, where it gets its um, sustenance from, is uh, goes right in, is the is the belly button, and so that could also. Um, ha- makes sense. So we can relate this machloket to the previous machloket um, that Rabbi Akiva he would say that the head is he would agree with the head being formed first the head is formed first and that's the essence of life and therefore you're going to measure from the nose. Whereas Abba Shaul said the um, embryo is formed from the belly and uh, therefore that's the essence of life so you're going to measure from the belly button. Um, so should we match them up? We, uh, we never like to um, uh, uh, constrict uh, the opinion. So we say, Really, it could be everybody uh, agrees with Abba Shaul. Um, but Abba Shaul, he was talking about the way an embryo is created. There, there he said, just happens to be, it comes from the middle and expands outwards. It's formed, it forms from the middle. If, if you're talking about its life, the, the source of, 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 of its life, that has certainly his breath, as it says, uh, describing any someone alive, anyone in whose nostrils the breath of the spirit of life is in. So you see, the definition of life is being able to breathe. This is an essential Gemara for um, the definition of death and organ donation. Um, because if you say, as this Gemara does say, that um, the definition of being alive is breathing and, and the definition of being dead is not breathing, then that means someone who is not breathing is considered dead, even if other the rest of their body is functioning for example, their heart is still beating, right? Um, and the, if someone is brain dead, brain stem dead, then their brain stem is what controls breathing, and so they are not breathing on their own. Whereas the heart does not need a brain to uh, to be pumping, the heart uh, beats on its own. So if you have a person whose heart is beating on its own, but is not breathing on their own because their brain stem has died, then according to this, they are considered legally dead and um, that would allow for the possibility of organ donation. So this is a very important Gemara. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer, Mimakom halal mi Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, he said, different from the other two, that you uh, measure from the place of his neck. My time Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, why does he say that? Kidichtiv, latet otach el savere chalele reshaim. The Pasuk in Yechezkel says, to lay you upon the necks of the wicked who are to be slain. So you see it says savad and halal. So that shows that how does someone become a halal? Um, the place of death of especially for and we just learned that this law only applies if someone is killed by a sword um, and uh, and cut at the neck. So the place of being killed is at the neck and that's why the, we measure from uh, from the neck. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.